She brings wealth and health to her audience by tackling hot topics around substance use disorder, mental health and wellness. Her mission, vision, and goal are to help you heal from your past trauma, inspire you to transform your body, mind, and soul so you can live your best life. Your board-certified psychiatric mental health doctor, nurse practitioner, trauma care maestro, and media analyst, your life ambassador, best-selling author, TEDx talk speaker, CEO of Pool of Bethesda Psychiatric Health in Arizona. Let's all welcome Dr. Princess Fumi Hancock. And she has put together five tips to help your child um, be mentally healthy and occupied this summer. And these are strategies to help families navigate the, the summer months. So welcome, uh, Dr. Stephanie Hancock, and thank you so much for getting up early and joining us today on Great County Life at Home, because this is such an important issue. Thank you so much for having me, Mary and Rhonda. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so help us with your five tips. Tell us more about them. Well, let me just quickly segue into I really empathize with your community for what you guys are going through because we know in the U.S. we're equally going through a whole lot like that. So I do empathize and I pray that um, a lot of the kids too will, um, because many people might be going through trauma as a result of this. So your show today is more, it's just, I mean, it just fits right in because some children will have heard about this incident and parents would have heard about it. So this is a nice segue into uh, helping parents out there uh, to be able to help their kids uh, during the summer. So when we talk about uh, tips, uh, all of our kids have been through a lot. <laughs> You've talked about a year and a half of being cooked up in the house. Uh, many are still cooked up in the house right now. We are beginning to open up a little bit. And so one of the one of the tip number one is getaway. I know that when we hear getaway, it's like, okay, where? We've been in the house for all these years. Where? From the kitchen to the bedroom or what? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? There's, you know, when you are resourceful, there's a way that you can maneuver your way around getting away. So I know the usual ones that we are used to is going on vacation, getting on the plane and going on vacation. But there are things that you could do. The whole idea is to have family time together. It could be just taking them out for a walk. It could be going to visit a bookstore. It could be whatever it is. As long as it's not in the home, you could take a day trip to a place and then come back home. So that's number one. Um, well, um, I, I like the idea that um, helping children find a purpose yeah. in, in their day because they may not be doing online learning the same way. So how do they find a purpose? Wow. Uh, that's such a great idea. Um, now, okay, so depending on the age group, right, I have uh, in my clinic, I have from like four-year-old all the way to 99-year-old, right? And so I have my teenagers that tell me, oh, I'm bored. Uh, there's nothing to do at home. Well, here's the thing. Some of them can take a summer job. It could be part-time, maybe 10 hours, few hours, first finding out what they love. Some of them love to cook, then they go to a restaurant and just, you know, 
donate some times there or even work to earn some money there. If you're talking about kids uh, that are not teenagers, you could take them out to, for example, a bookstore and then have them play around in a bookstore, have them pick a toy that they love and a book that they might love, a book that talks about a topic that they might love. So it's important that you also give them chores in the house so that they're not just sitting down and just waiting for mommy and daddy to do everything, but that you can get them and say, hey, you know what, you're part of this family too. All right now, let's let's put a list of some chores that can get you busy because a lot of our kids right now are dealing with racing thoughts. And how many of you know, even as an adult, if you stay by yourself for too long, <laughs> your mind is going to be racing. Hey, so now imagine kids, you leave them by themselves. Oh, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be <laughs> going. So it's important that we do put some responsibility in it too, so that you're teaching them responsibility. At the same time, you're also helping them to understand that because we have a pandemic doesn't mean that life stops there. It just means that, well, we have to segue into doing other stuff. After all, the kids of today are those that are going to be the ones leading the country tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's so important, having that sense of purpose in each day. That's not just for our kids. That's for us as well. Uh, and tying that into, uh, you know, the family time. I know when we go for a walk, we pick up garbage along the walk. That's right. And, you know, a sense of purpose of community and spending time together, but also setting that example of, you know, we all have a purpose in our community to take care of each other. And I like that sort of thing of the sense of purpose doesn't have to be just within the house. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So when you talk about incorporating education into it, right, um, one of uh, some of the kids that I see in my clinic have um, ADHD. All right. So their parents are already like, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? You know, when they had somewhere to go, at least we could breathe for a few hours. And now they're going to be home all day doing absolutely nothing. How do we make this work? Now, we're going to figure out what our kids love to do the most. If your kid loves a certain subject, well, here is an opportunity for you to take a walk and you guys can go visit the library. Have him him or her pick something of value to that person. If it's a topic, if they like cars, they can pick up a storybook that talks about um, making up cards, creating cards, and things like that, and engage them in education. Use this too as an opportunity to also educate your children. It's just not about just the pandemic because if we leave them to their own demise, they're going to be in front of news, hearing all the bad news, all the bad stories. Many of them are already dealing with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Some of them are dealing with acute, which is right now, they are so stressed out just watching their parents stressed out. And so it's important that we incorporate um, education, something new. Always try to figure out what, what can we do that is a little bit different today. 
cooking. Some of them love to cook. I know my babies, when they were younger, they love to cook. One would even climb a chair and try to cook or something for the whole family. So find something that they love to do. If it's cooking, if it's making cars, whatever it is, engage them in that. One of the things, um, I've had a very eclectic career path. And my career path has always been the health and well-being of families and children. And one of the things I used to recommend to parents is that just to cozy up and read a story to your child. Just, it's, it's not making the child read the story. It's building that love of literature and story and storytelling. But it's also the warmth of the body just being cuddled and cozied up and hearing the language and the way the flow of the language. Oh my God. I, I so love the fact that you talked about storytelling because part of my life, my second life anyway, is storytelling. And then even in my clinic I use something called rehabilitative storytelling where I actually help the kid to tell their own story to their parent. And so it's important when we, there are times the kids do not, depending on their age, they don't really have the words, right words or whatever, or they just want their mind to be quiet. And just spending that time, putting them to, next to you, and you reading that story to them makes, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of difference. A lot of times with ADHD children, you want them to read the story eh, before they get to the next line down to something else and so now at the parent you're trying to see okay who's running the house is he or she running it or am I running it or is she running me with the house <laughs> so when you keep them next to you and you share that just like you, t you talked about Mary, Mary Jane you're sharing an intimate moment with your child and you're giving them the permission so that when they do go back to school or if they hear anything that is very disturbing they know they can come to you when you do not spend that time with that kid do you know what I hear from a lot of my teenagers they stay locked up in, the, in their room they tell me in fact one told me my mother is the blabbermouth and I said what do you mean by that and, in the, in, in, and the mother is saying well he doesn't talk to me and I said what do you mean your mother is the blabbermouth I said well because if I tell I tried, I tried her with one thing and it didn't take five minutes the whole family knew and heard about it my grandmother said calling about it. My great-grandmother in another country was calling over it. So now I'm not saying a thing. So it's important as parents that, yes, we want to tell. We want to say a lot of things. We want help. But we actually have to do act more of active listening. So that when you actively listen, you are allowing your kid to trust you enough. Because how many of you know that? The world is just gone upside down. I mean, it doesn't matter what country you're looking at, it's just upside down. And our kids have a lot to deal with. And when they go back to school, right, there's going to be more anxiety, which parents now, during the summer, we need to start addressing it. More panic disorders that is going to stem up. More ADHD-like behavior. More manic um, disorders. 
And and when you use this summer, right, we want them to have fun, but you want to use this summer to actually start to prepare them to prepare them and say, hey, when you feel anxious, come to mommy because we can do something about it. It's amazing to me that, you know, you see on social media all these things about how how is your cat and how is your dog going to do when you go back to work full time and how stressed out are they going to be? And But I haven't seen very much about the fact that our children have been stuck at home and without their friends and, and the anxiety and the panic and, and everything else that you just touched on. I think that is so imperative. Uh, and going back to the storytelling aspect, even as a teenager, you know, allowing them to tell us their story That's and right. what they're going through and what they're feeling and thinking about these things and just being quiet and listening is so important. And my daughter, actually, last night when we were on our bicycle ride, she talked to me about the fact that she likes hearing people's personal story online. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, everybody says the Internet is terrible and you can't believe anything. But she said, listening to what other people are going through with their anxiety, panic disorders, depression, she said it helps her to identify things that she can do for herself to make herself feel better and to deal with these emotions. Um, and I thought that was very interesting. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a point of sitting down and listening to some of these stories that she's listening to. We can do that together. She's beyond the point of me reading stories, but us listening to other people's stories and truths. I think that that just carries on from being a children that we did do lots of stories as well. <laughs> Oh. Sorry, go ahead, Dr. Stephanie. Okay, and I think that's what you just, you just defined what rehabilitative storytelling is about. That's what you just did now. When you, when you watch other people, other fearless people, I call them my fearless visionaries. When you watch them tell their own story, it could be a story of trauma, and the two of you even sitting together and watching it, that's powerful enough. It's powerful. So it's time that we even um, even segue at our kids, even kids, um, children, teenagers, and allow them to give them the permission to listen to other people. Like you said, internet is not all that bad. It's how we use it. And you saying it, Rhonda, is using it in a, in a very incredible manner, in a strong, firm manner and saying, hey, let's do a little bit of rehabilitative storytelling. Well, one of the things um, that children have been learning online a lot, and so that means that they're sitting in front of a screen. And one of, the, one of your tips is to actually, over the summer months, limit the amount of screen time or electronics that they're using. So what, what we're saying is that's very valuable to have the electronics and the screen time and to hear the stories, but perhaps setting some limits as to age-appropriate limits as to how much time um, kids and teenagers are um, on in sitting in front of a screen, whether it's a television, a phone, um, a computer. 
you would not believe a lot of um, teenagers that I he, that I see, and they tell me they have all these racing thoughts going on. And I say, well, how many hours do you spend uh, in front of a TV? And they tell me eight hours. I was like, eight hours of what? You know, from they go from one news to the other, one news to the other. I said, no wonder your mind is racing this fast. You know, so even with our kids, even with ourselves as adults, where we get to a certain point where we know, okay, we go to bed at nine o'clock. By eight o'clock, you need to start unwinding, turning things off so that your your mind can kind of slow down. But what we're finding out with our kids is that they hop from the front of a game uh, that they've been on for like eight hours, six hours, just going boom, 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 boom. Their head is going like a, in a speed of light and they hop straight into bed and they can't sleep. So now they're rolling back and forth, back and forth till the morning. So it's important that between that game time and that TV time, we have that time that we just not do completely nothing, just calm ourselves down and go to bed. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the comments I'd had years ago was that um, this uh, this gal was sleeping with her phone. Her phone was on all the time. Ooh. And I said, why not turn your phone off so that you can rest and relax and sleep? That's really important. You have four kids. You need to sleep. And she said, no, because somebody might need me at 2 o'clock in the morning. I have to have the phone. <laughs> and... I just, no, no, you need, everyone needs time to just sleep. Mm -hmm. I, I think it also becomes addictive too, right? The more you do this, it becomes very addictive. There are some disorders right now that are social media disorders. And so it becomes very addictive when we feel, and then you start having this godlike complex because you feel the old world needs you. Well, the old world doesn't. And you know what? You, you, need, you need them. You need them as they need you. And they're not going to gain any benefit from you if you're not sleeping well and if you're not well. So if you want to help the world well, then go to bed and sleep. <laughs> and, and there are... There are things that you can put on your phone. Like I know for myself, when my teenagers are out at nighttime, you can put your little favorites that That's their right. phone call will come through, but nothing else comes through. No emails, no texts, anything like that. Or, you know, only from your favorites. So that in case they're out and you want to be available to them, That's which right. I do agree with, That's uh, right. you know, in this day and age. But absolutely shutting down those uh, work emails and work related stuff for heaven's sakes the world is not going to end if you don't get that email till tomorrow <laughs> so um, Stephanie do you have any guidelines for ages because um, I mean we have toddlers that are now watching TV and watching TV programs so do you have some guidelines as to how, how much screen time should a toddler have or a preschooler or a middle schooler or a teenager? Well, I, here's the thing. When you have uh, age, ages five, um, maybe one hour, two, one to two hours, depending on the other ages that are in that home. Um, when you have toddlers, um, perhaps maybe one hour 
and of course it's got to be something educational that they can dance to play around with so that they're not even feeling like they're doing the work right so uh, but when you talk about adults we our lives is very busy as is and I think uh, for me I, I, I don't really have hours for adults but I say to you you know think about your life and think about um, how busy your life is and then decide for myself I try not to be uh, more than two hours at a time. Um, if you're working, for example, if you're working, many of us has been virtually. So if you're working eight hours virtually, uh, after that work, you might want to shut it down a little bit because, <laughs> because you know, after the work, you want to give it a break before you go back again. So just use discretion. As an adult, just use discretion. But for our kids, one to two hours, some of them three hours, but put a break in between it. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I used to say, I have three three grown sons who have families of their own. But when they were when they were kids in the neighborhood, um, I would say to them, uh, however much time you choose to watch TV today is how much time you have to be outside. Ooh, and that's so, a good one. Hey. <laughs> they they would choose, um, uh, you know, and it didn't matter what the weather was. And we have very cold winters here, <laughs> so that that used to give them some inner uh, control over how they spent their time. And I, and I think with with kids too, you make them feel like they made they made, it came up with it decision by indirectly suggesting just like what you just did that's perfect because when they come up with it say well I came up with it mommy but you know you did <laughs> <laughs> well Dr. Stephanie Hancock we really really appreciate you coming on today now where where are you located this morning Arizona United States of America Arizona Arizona, my goodness, and here we are complaining about the heat wave in Ontario. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> Thank you oh so much goodness. for having me. Thank you for having me. Well, it's been a pleasure, and we hopefully we'll maybe get you back again so that we can get some more tips. Because Absolutely. I'm the idea of trauma with yes. our kids, especially after this pandemic, I think you're right. We're going to have an awful lot to deal with. And if these parents and families can just talk with their kids and and have that open dialogue with them, it is so important. And, and, and let them speak what they're feeling. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I would love to come back about trauma because that's the next pandemic that we're facing. And sadly, it doesn't have vaccination. Right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Tear the Veil with Dr. Fumi. We hope you have enjoyed being a part of today's show and that we have helped you in shining. For further information, you can visit us at drfumipsychdnp.com and pobpsychiatry.com.